It's a Cartoon Revolution. I'm Deidre. And I'm Sonia. Why Cartoon Revolution? Because the cartoons we love aren't just for kids anymore. Cartoons have something to say and change to inspire, and we're here to break it down for you. Whether it's anime or Pixar, 2D or CG. Join us as we take cartoons too seriously and discover their hidden meanings and revolutionary ideas. Hello. Hi. Welcome to our fourth episode. Before we get started into today's topic, uh, I think we have an exciting listener comment from last month's topic that DJ wanted to share. So go ahead and give that a listen, our Pompoko episode. All right. So this is from a listener who wanted to stay anonymous, but we'll call them Q for now. (laughs) This is their comment. So the last illusion cast by the Tanuki displays their version of an ideal world, which is much more rural, but still heavily human influenced. There's a sense of the good old days, which may just be a fantasy that never existed, especially because there will always be a transition between urban and rural environments. Maybe a takeaway from that last scene and maybe from the movie generally, is that we are not bringing that urban-rural transition with intentionality. There are spaces that are engineered for human density and interaction, and spaces engineered for human sparsity and isolation. But that in-between ends up being a mess. The movie doesn't give a lot of thought to spaces that are engineered by nature alone for non-humans only. Functionally, however, that's a space that no longer exists. So that's a thoughtful one, that is. Yeah, I really like that. that. I, yeah. I really like the depth of it. They, I think they mm-hmm. portrayed that divide between what's parts of the world are built for humans and not very nicely. Thank you so much, Q, for that contribution. Yes. Um, if you guys <laughs> ever have thoughts on anything we discuss, like please share them in our comments on Instagram or in our email. You can email us thoughts if you have them as well. And we're happy to share particularly insightful ones on the show. So... Let's transition, segue, segue, segue to wow, so smoothly. this episode, <laughs> this next episode, which will be on, drum roll please, Arcane, yes. Yay. Yeah, so I am super excited about this one because I binged this show quite recently, just a couple of weeks ago, and I was just blown away by just the beauty of the show, the intricacy of the world the depth of the characters and the relationships. And I know a lot of people who like cartoons like us had a lot of hesitancy about this show because it is a video game adaptation. And there are just a lot of bad video game adaptations. Like I'm thinking of like Mario movie and Sonic movies and all of these other like bad Hollywood adaptations particularly. <laughs> but more recently we had Castlevania, which was really good. And I did like that a lot. And now Arcane. And most notably, these are animated adaptations and very beautifully animated adaptations, which I think really express the love that the animators have for the original video game content and this kind of more fleshed out world that they're building. So I'm really excited to talk about this one. Deja, did you have any initial reactions to share before I explain what the show is about? Yeah, I was definitely one of those people that was hesitant to watch it. <laughs> Suspicious. <and laughs> especially because it rated so high, like it was suddenly everyone 
it's like number one pick in right not in the U.S. but in like 52 countries internationally or something like that it was a huge hit but that's also the I don't even want to say rebel but just like hipster in me that's just like I'm gonna wait a little bit you're just too cool you can't watch the popular (laughs) stuff (laughs) I'm just not in a rush to watch it is maybe a better way of saying (laughs) meanwhile I'm like (gasps) instantly dies (laughs) what is this Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to wait. Because <laughs> sometimes, you know, if it's great, you'll hear about it in a few weeks. And if it's not, then you won't. And Well, you're hearing about it now. And it's been I'm a few still, weeks. So. <laughs> and I'm glad you chose it because I actually really, really like this show. Yay! And I wasn't expecting to. Yeah. So awesome. we love that. Yeah. So why don't you give us a summary? Yeah. So Arcane is a recently released animated series released on Netflix and created by Riot Games and Fortiche, which is, I think, a, like an indie French studio. So kind yeah, of it's an animation studio. Yeah, yeah, so huge game studio and indie French cute animation studio. It's based on Champions, which are characters from the game from the popular League of Legends. I mean, almost anyone who knows anything about video games has probably at least heard of it. Uh, it's a very popular game. And the show follows two sisters, Bai and Powder, who later becomes known as Jinx. Um, that's her champion name in the game, who are separated due to essentially class struggle and this sort of war between the city of progress, which is called Piltover, and its kind of darker undercity called Zon. And there's there's fighting, there's magic, there's love, and it's it's just beautifully animated show. It's amazing. And if you haven't seen it, definitely go watch it and then come back because this will be a very, very spoilery discussion. Yeah, yeah the animation is crazy bonkers it's like a painting that moves but in every scene so beautiful (laughs) yeah I know but you're right it really is like a a painting like every single frame and I think it does make use of CG animation really well 3D animation but it also combines it well with 2D animation kind of like uh, the Into the Spider-Verse which if if you haven't yeah you've seen that right it's it's amazing and Um, Paperman which was that Pixar short oh okay um, okay that came out I think it's one of the first, like the first of that type of technology. And this, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but it harkens to that. Mm-hmm. And there are scenes, like the way that they do fire and smoke is looks 2D. And that's pretty amazing yeah. too. Yeah, or even elements. like the backgrounds. It's like almost like you would expect from an anime. But the, the way the characters move, the action sequences, just the 3D aspect of that is really nice. And it's not distracting either. Like a lot of CG 3D animation in, in anime kind of looks really bad because like anime has almost always traditionally been 2D. So when you see the difference, it's just not integrated well whereas this one is just molded together so perfectly it's just really really amazing so this studio studio Fortiche, apparently mm-hmm. within the production of this show which i don't know i read somewhere it was like two years and other places that was six years but apparently the studio grew from seven annual employees to 200 within that span like wow they were able, yeah they used i think it was like a hundred million budget for what was it eight 40 minute episodes which is kind of unheard of because 100 mm-hmm. million sounds like a lot but with animation it just it actually really isn't that much for that amount of the product that they had and they were able to utilize 
utilize a lot of shortcuts in it and come up with such an amazing product. And I was reading partly because all three founders are themselves artists. So they knew how to keep the story and the art in a way that wasn't so watered down by this like bureaucratic pipeline that is in most other movie studios, especially in Hollywood. Right. That's amazing. I think, yeah, that all of that together just points to how rare and amazing this show is. Like we've really seen nothing quite like this. And I think it points to a definite change in what we're seeing in the animation industry. We're seeing a lot more big budget and like partnership kind of deals. So this is Riot Games, obviously, which makes League of Legends, which is one of the most popular games ever. And they're making this original story to really support its fan base, its already existing fan base and drive greater revenue for their games as well. And then you also have this like amazing soundtrack like developed by actual bands, like including Imagine Dragons, which uh, created the original song and actually has a cameo. I don't know if you noticed it. They have like this cameo in the actual show. There's this one scene, I think, where Vi enters a bar and there's just Imagine Dragons like in oh, this world Oh, that's playing. what it was. Yeah. Okay. Right. I didn't know that was them, but I noticed that like the shot yeah. was, yeah. was like, I imagine a cameo. This is right. what a cameo <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you telling me that Imagine Dragons did an opening and in my head I was mm-hmm. like no it's not gonna work like I don't think <laughs> yeah. it doesn't I don't know just from my experience Same. listening right. to their music I was like I don't think it'll fit but it, it yeah, did and it does. all the music yeah yeah, yeah. So anyways, there's just a lot of big names that are on Netflix as well um, is, is the main host for it. And I think it really does point to how much money they put into this and how it's, it's very rare to have original content that's not backed by some really big name now, especially with this kind of budget. A lot of original content is, is just not given as much priority or as much money as what we're seeing here. So I think that is, it's really great in the sense that we are going to have a lot of really interesting collaborations and we're going to have a lot of really nicely fleshed out worlds that have like very different mediums. Like I can see these characters, Jinx and Bai, I can play them, like I can interact with them in the game and I can also watch and learn their story in this show. And I think that's awesome to have that intersectionality. But at the same time, I do kind of fear that maybe we're going to get more and more content that's inspired from other mediums and less and less original content, which is something that I think will be interesting to observe in the coming decades. Exactly. There's a there's an ease of having not not necessarily well yeah remakes and also stories derived from existing properties that yeah that help. Although you know we look at TV shows made from made about video games and they didn't always work out. Yeah, um, and even vice versa. Like I think remember we talked about Steven Universe. There's uh, some video game that's from Steven Universe as well. There's like, obviously like Avatar, The Last Airbender video games. There's uh, Naruto video games. Like there's there's a game for almost every single popular show, and that's traditionally the pipeline we've seen. But it's really interesting to go the opposite direction and have video games, maybe not very original or interesting, in depth stories, which are then getting stories through their original shows. Right. Oh, and um, trivia time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the first, I believe, based on my quick research, is <laughs> the first TV show based on a video game was? Hmm. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I mean, my f- first guess would be Pokemon, but I feel like there's something earlier than Pokemon. Yeah, so it was in 1982. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's early. Yeah, and it is Pac-Man. There was a Pac-Man oh. show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
what is it with that game that there's it's just so much like pac-man is in smash now like super smash bros like is it yeah it's a character in the new smash ultimate or whatever yeah. i just don't understand what's so exciting about this character it was one of the first of several things and the tv show i saw sounded a lot like the jetsons like that era mm. Except, oh, okay okay yeah it's just this big ball with his, <laughs> his with mrs pac-man and they're just like go fetch whatever dog eats the frisbee it's so silly <laughs> i wonder if we'll ever get our beautifully rendered 3d immersive world <laughs> of pac-man <laughs> was there not i bet there was i bet there was at some point we just refused to watch it and we forgot actually you know now that i say it as the words are coming out of my mouth was there a pac-man movie that was more recent we will find out. Let us know. Thanks, viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I want to move the conversation into some of the more difficult topics that the show addresses because that's something that was really surprising in a good way for me with this show is that it really did not hold back with difficult subjects. It's not something I expected at all. I expected like, yay, cool, some some fighting and magic and a lot of allusions to League of Legends that I wouldn't understand. But instead, we actually got like a very complex world with very recognizable issues among them, like class struggle, capitalism, technology and unequal access to technology, even drugs and the effects of drugs on communities that are more vulnerable. And of course, even clashes between family members, between sisters and between fathers and, um, you know, difficult relationships like that. So do you have any strong initial reactions to some of those difficult subjects that the show deals with? So in terms of like class or even just like a class warfare, what this show seems to do that I found quite different than a lot of shows, and this was my misconception in the very beginning. So you know that first scene where they where you see this whole like red landscape the dust settles and you see Vi and Powder basically coming out and finding that their parents have died and it's this whole death scene and so many shows that are based in like fantasy will show warfare in a way that is international and that's what this show makes different even if it is about class but what this show makes which is different is that it's between two cities which actually I looked at the League of Legends official website and they describe Zaun and Piltover as once united but are now separated yet symbiotic societies so even though they are two different cities they're essentially of the same symbiote you know they have that one relationship so you can't even call say that they're two completely separate cities they really they need each other to survive and that's the kind of class warfare that or the way that it's portrayed that strikes me because it is very violent the kind of warfare that we see but we don't traditionally call it war and warfare unless it's going across borders yeah that's a really good point i really like that the show is all about dualities and that's really directly inspired by the setting you just described you have city of progress that's really wonderful and amazing and there's the undercity or underbelly of that progress the the other image or the dark side of it that is just filled with poverty and drugs and violence but what you're saying is really right in that the two cities do depend on each other and that divide seems very stark but is actually quite porous in a lot of ways and that makes the show a lot more new 
nuanced than one would initially expect. Like you might expect a war between two different sides, between characters from either side, but um, you find characters from either side on, on the opposite sides of what where they started. And you have characters that don't really represent either side. And I think a good example of that is, well, there's a, a multiple characters, but like Victor, for example, is a character who came from Zahn or the Undercity, but made his way through hard work and brilliance to the city of progress and you can see how that how his his early life inspires him to work really hard to craft a technology that will be good for everyone and even on the opposite side of that you have characters like Caitlin who is you know she's a, a woman of extreme privilege like her mother is a council member but she is the one who's fighting really hard for equality and greater access for the people below there's just so many characters like that that I feel add a lot more nuance to that and also make the world more believable and more relatable to our current world. Right, because no one is purely one or the other. In fact, there are a lot of people that go between the two. Exactly. So in terms of like how the two cities are set up, and we talked a little bit about warfare, but I'm also just thinking how that piece was disrupted in the beginning and after the first act, because this show, for people who haven't watched it, is nine episodes, three episodes of each act. Yes. So in the first act, this piece between Piltover and Zahn is broken. And what I think is actually quite important to note is that there's an event that essentially starts to crack the rift between the two. Or I was thinking it's when Vi and, you know, her group essentially like blow up the workshop of Jace. And then the enforcers come down and they basically say that they it's, it was such a big, a big disaster that they needed someone to pay for it that they could like tell to the higher ups. And I thought it was really, even that interaction was quite nuanced because the important thing that made the enforcers come down was not loss of life even though people did get hurt but they they didn't die and it was a huge explosion but it was property damage and and in terms of the differences between class and priorities there are people literally dying and so on over just the littlest things lack of medicine and lack of access to just proper support for for addiction and and yet there's this there's huge consequences for ruining property at Piltover and there's this idea that property is more property and wealth is more important than in life and we see that again and again in the real world yeah and I think there's uh, two sort of devices or or elements in the story that really make those issues very stark and that's one is hex tech which is the the kind of device or magic that causes the explosion in the first place and then there's also shimmer and it's interesting shimmer is like the the drug that Silco creates which makes you like really strong but also I think has has some negative long-term effects but essentially it's it's interesting because one is a product of of the city of progress of piltover hextech and then one is a product of the undercity shimmer but both cities sort of form a dependency or need and fight over both of those things in equal ways and it's it also obviously has parallels towards the real world in which we have you know things like precious metals and technology and, and nuclear devices and, and just certain important technologies that all people kind of depend on and and all people sort of are, are fighting over like resources for but only certain you know strong or rich 
rich countries are able to access or rich people are able to access. And then, of course, you have under cities, which maybe, you know, support the distribution of drugs out of need, financial need, but really to feed the, the thirst of richer or, um, you know, more well-off communities who also utilize those drugs and depend on under cities to, you know, distribute those. So it's just a very interesting way in which the story kind of shows the mechanics of how that works and through very personal stories as well, through characters you're very easily able to identify with. Yeah, you just, you saw my face, but you like blew my mind <laughs> when you said that. Because I, I saw the dependency with the shimmer, but I didn't see the dependency with the hex tech, but you're completely right. And I I had written in my notes about geoengineering. And, and I guess when we think about hex tech, there's a lot of other shows that will do this theme of this uncontrollable, usually natural energy. And then humans try to find a way to harness that through science. And I think this show goes a step further in really showing how much potential this technology has, how much raw energy that can be harnessed, and also how dependent this mythology of Hextech is to this idea of progress, this yeah, this myth of progress of Piltover City. But to be clear, it's a it's a type of progress that benefits upper and middle class people more than the people that this technology was originally intended for, which is for the lower class and to even things out. Because I think essentially in the way that this society is set up and in so many human societies, you know, including the ones that we live in, there's a, actually, there is a reliance on having a separate upper and lower class. Yeah, I thought that was a good point. Yeah, basically the central structure of capitalism is that uh, you need kind of an underclass that's able to labor intensely and uh, survive on fewer resources for kind of the ruling um, or elite class to be able to enjoy luxury and leisure based off of the fruits of that labor. And even though we don't, I don't think we necessarily have an industrial relationship between Piltover and Zon. Like we don't really see like, I don't know, maybe standard elements of capitalism in the sense of labor coming from Zon. You still see the dependency and and the way that one reflects the opposites of the other. And the, the hex tech or that technology is really the key that splinters that divide because it's this amazing technology that can uh, have the power to transport people really far and fast like they create the hex text with it hex hex gates sorry through it and um it also we discover could potentially heal people's illnesses and it's really interesting that victor is the one that they try to support with that because he originally comes from zon and he is the more most complicated and nuanced character in the sense that he is able to kind of travel between both worlds and sort of carries the weight of both worlds on his shoulders and he is the one who uh, you know tries to like heal himself or his illness and his disabilities with the hex tech but none of that access is really provided to undercity and undercity is is mostly kind of ignored up until it's that technology is stolen by jinx and that's when everything comes to the forefront so the thesis there is then is that if you know the the lower class or the underclass or whatever it is is able to steal back resources it deserves that's when you'll really have class war or class struggle and you'll have upper classes reared their revenge against lower classes that take back what you know they also rightly deserve right I really like how all these big ideas of class and divides and dualities are really reflected in very personal ways between the characters. Like those same dualities are present between like Vi and Caitlin, Vi and Jinx, 
Silco and Vander, even a little bit uh, Echo and Jinx. Like there's just a lot of uh, clashes between a lot of these characters and clashes of ideologies that represent a lot of the same like large scale strife that we see. And that's what makes the show so easy to connect with because you can see how these larger forces really affect, you know, our individual characters. When you have like class strife, when you have strong like world divisions, you have literal families that are torn asunder. You have friends that are torn apart. You have different like sisterhoods that form and different fatherhoods that form like Silco kind of adopting Jinx and Jinx having to like banish her former self as powder to kind of take on her Jinx persona more. And I just I just feel like it the show handles that really well and you're able to love the characters more because you understand what they go through. Right. The duality you talk about exists not just, I guess, physically, which is what we initially talked about with the geographic locations of the cities, but also within multiple characters who are not necessarily from different parts of the city either. They're they're within the same family or with even within the same circles. So I thought that was really cool. I guess with Jinx, Jinx, I believe, is one of the more popular notable characters from League of Legends. I think they made her in, what, 2013? And she very much, just as someone who doesn't play the games, reminds me of like a, yeah, like a Joker type character. This like chaos incarnate energy, but obviously in her own twist. A lot of people compare compare her to, uh, what's her name? It's a... There's a movie about her, Birds of Prey. Oh, Harley Quinn. Yes, Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn. Yeah, so a lot of people compare her to Harley Quinn, who is like, she was like the Joker's uh, therapist, I think, something like that. And she also has And then her... girlfriend. Right, right. And then, <laughs> and then separate entity on her own. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, so I think she was actually directly, in... Jinx was directly inspired by that character in a lot of ways. I think I read some interview from the creators about that. But yeah, you're right, absolutely. She, I thought, was... I think the show shows that development of Jinx quite interestingly because I I believe this is like a prequel type show that leads up to how the game portrays its characters and Jinx does start off as all children do as this very innocent girl who due to circumstances ends up becoming more and more unhinged Um, and also by some of the I guess the choices that she makes as well that haunt her and I think there's like a really cool parallel between Vi and Powder because they do they start together and they their paths greatly diverge and Vi eventually she she does align herself more with the enforcers and Piltover by the end of the series and Jinx very much in the underground the undercity and what I thought was really interesting watching and also not having known the series is how visceral their reactions were one in the animation because that first scene where Vi is crying but she doesn't just cry she's like trying to hold it in and then suddenly it starts to just like come out when they see the death of their parents but also just in terms of how each of their psyches develop. There's a great video called Arcane Jinx Therapist Reacts by Georgia Dow, which is on YouTube. Amazing. And yeah, have you have you ever seen any of her videos? I think I've seen therapist react type videos before. I'm not sure if it was hers, but it she would be yeah. a perfect analysis for a therapist. Right. And she does talk about the evolution of Jinx as a character and also her attachment, her and Vi's attachment types and why it was so 
such a difficult blow for her mentally when Vi calls her a jinx and that was so so important as like a point that sets her sets powder off on a different path than Vi and how Vi even separated herself kind of like how a parent would you would want to walk away from the situation wait for yourself to calm down meanwhile powder has no idea that Vi is going to come back because of her own psyche you guys should watch this video and that's why she like throws herself into the arms of the enemy it's because she's just so devastated and plus Vi gets captured so it's not like she ever comes back anyway until later yeah i really loved the complicated relationship between silko and jinx i did really admire that there was that much depth in really one of the central villains of the story and the fact that they made him such a caring in a lot of ways adoptive father but also you know very toxic potentially abusive in a lot of ways as well too but the the fact that he loved jinx so much is something that really complicated him as a villain and i think is something we should see more of in villains and i really appreciated that level of depth that they provided yeah and i think there's like a type of abuse that makes it quite difficult but in the end the abuser can be very loving and have the best intentions yeah. but they go from hot and cold really fast yeah. without an ability of i don't even want to say victim because because jinx is more than that at the end of the day which but as a child there's an inability to predict when or where those moods are going to swing right and there's this there's also like a mythology that's being created in her head by silko that's being fed by him yeah that is like this alternate reality to what is maybe the truth but when you grow up like that just needing a storyline and powder being so dependent on silko for that because of the abandonment that she has survived from the rest of her known family yeah, it, it very easily becomes her reality. And maybe Silco believes it, but it's still, that's like part of the, the believability of the fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's even more sinister about it is that the deceptions that he builds around her are fed by him because he built them himself or experienced them himself. Like he places a lot of his anger towards Vander, who was kind of like a sibling to him earlier. Uh, the betrayal that he experienced when Vander turned on him and places that on on Jinx basically projects that onto Jinx and saying this is exactly what happened to you I abandoned you I betrayed you as well and the only way that you can survive this is to do what I did which is to like completely rebirth yourself as Jinx like really almost like drown yourself and then come back to yourself as Jinx and that's just like a very toxic form of abuse it's, it's like almost like a gaslighting in a sense like to build a deceptive oh, is, world yeah. around someone that is purely your own experience or your own deception and forcing that onto someone else to make you feel less alone as well and I guess like because I also struggled when I was trying to prepare for this episode I'm not sure I really understood the relationship with Vander and Silco before because it wasn't quite clear do you think that's something that's going to be developed more or did you maybe see something I'm not that sure I they didn't really explain all we think all I think we know is that they were at one point I think fighting to freeze on and that they were partners right. in the effort but then Vander turned on him and tried to kill Silco and that's about all we know but we do know that they like cared about each other very much and that Silco felt very betrayed by that and had to like he did to Jinx like rebirth himself as a new man to like recover from that there's very much this attitude of I'll show them for, yeah for both Silco and 
jinx as a way of like proving themselves to the people that hurt them so much right and um you can even see the way that jinx feels about caitlin and vi's relationship also like she feels very jealous and kind of attacked whenever she sees them together or feels like threatened because of vi's interest in caitlin we can see how a lot of that dynamic comes from her own sense of abandonment and the inattention she feels that she received from Vi, but also Zilko's parentage and how uh, suspicious he is of anyone who gets too close to people around him and the way that his own people and team often is always trying to betray him. So it just goes to show a lot about how much our parentage and family members and people we really care about can really damage our lives and, and build lies around us that kind of are born from our own worst fears and insecurities and how important it is to seek the family members whether they be found family members or biological family members and friends that truly care for us and truly want the best for us and in this show that is I think Caitlin and Vi but also what Vi wants for powder right like we all live with different versions of this and at the end of the day the people who we consider family or at some point closest to can really hurt us the most and I think that's shown again and again here yeah and I think um we didn't even talk about Mel um the most beautiful character in the show I think oh yes yeah oh my gosh they animated okay anyway sorry I I just like kind of godlike touch they had when they made her face but I'm just like she's so beautiful it's insane <laughs> oh yeah I, I think the character design was really pretty and mm-hmm. I'll say like I've there's not a lot of I haven't personally and I again limited view but I haven't seen a lot of super diverse characters in in video games and especially with black characters their hair is just not how it is in real life <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. ju- that was something I noticed not just hers but echoes too it's like this yeah. actually like, genuinely looks like black hair yeah and, and Mel's that mom seems too. so yeah. little aesthetically but it it matters and there's a lot yeah. of people with different textures of hair that just isn't captured and different body types which I don't know but this is a tv show I don't actually know if they do that in League of Legends yeah no I don't know actually I know I don't think Mel is a playable character Echo might be I'm not sure but anyways yeah so I, I just wanted to touch real quickly on Mel's relationship with her mom too which I think is another interesting one because there's a lot of themes of fatherhood in this show right. Oh, and her mom looks awesome. Yeah, just- her mom is so like cool and strong and just like very blunt and she knows who she is. I just love it. But anyways, to have that relationship, I think comparing to the other relationships, the fathers that we have is really interesting. And, and we do see a lot of the same fraught tension of a mom wanting a specific version of life from her daughter and the pressure of family expectations to live up to them and to be really strong uh, is something that I feel we often see from a lot of fatherhood relationships but the fact that we see that between a mother and a daughter I thought was really interesting and I want to see more of that and where that goes in the future for Mel. Yeah and I think it was so great to see a female character in Mel's mom who embodies such a strong assertive energy and even just even just like physically like her body is very built and you can see it's very scarred and you can see that she's been in a lot of battles and that is so often associated with more masculine traits and even just the viewpoint in which she's trying to push on to Mel of her version of what Mel should be doing is I believe traditionally a more masculine approach I guess like I could imagine to make it more tangible is I, I imagine like King figures talking to princes about the kind of topics that Mel's mother talks about with her right what is the character's name again Ooh, um, I'm blanking yeah I'm gonna keep talking but so and yet within all of that there is you 
see this like gentle nature within her as well that is essentially the love for her daughter and like her concern because her son was killed as well already and what that means for her relationship with her own daughter yeah. you, everyone you know it's not just duality it's just layers layers and layers <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the mom's name was Mbessa Medarda Mbessa. which is a great name mm. yeah but I think you're right I think the show does a good job about complicating gender or traditionally gender norms obviously we have a pretty overtly lesbian relationship emerging between Vi and Caitlin which I love I love them together but also I love the way that Vi is designed as well like she's very muscular which I really appreciate seeing because that doesn't happen often and but she's also beautiful is, is the thing like she's she's just both and the show does a good job of showing that you can be both and that beautiful doesn't mean like soft and voluptuous which is the standard we're always seeing over and over again but it can be muscular warrior like and you can still have you know beauty to that as well well even to that the original character designs for them because I, I was like looking into those yeah like how true. they are in the game is traditionally what I would think of in more of like a game which is this like hyper sexualized woman characters with big breasts and a big ass yeah and they are more wearing heels in the game. yeah <laughs> yeah and I think that's part of what has alienated me from these types of games yeah. among other things I think I just don't have the concentration to be honest but <laughs> but yeah. uh the they there's this like hyper sexualization which is rampant right. not just in League of Legends but in so many other games and it, yet in this TV show it shows that someone whose character is based not based but like their main form of fighting is boxing would have a pretty stocky build and would not be wearing heels and would be very rough and tumble bleed and pick fights and that is a lot more interesting to me I guess yeah in terms of looking at the representation between the TV show and the actual game I wonder if just in the act of you know translating those characters to a TV show when you have to personalize them more when you have to drive more depth into them it's just harder to take it more seriously if all the characters are sexy because your attention is not drawn to the characters themselves you're focusing on how they look and whether that or not that matches with the character that you're envisioning in your head or that's being developed on screen yeah I mean I would I guess I would argue that we see a lot of this hyper sexualization in anime and oh gosh um, horrible in, yeah in a comic book I think when I say that this show stands out for those reasons that we mentioned it's not purely because of the difference in the game there are other like ways that we could draw parallels this is a, a genuinely different portrayal of women and their relationships and I know you started talking about this with Vi and Caitlin and are they uh, yeah I guess I'm just trying to think of the the game itself because I don't think that they're they're like two different playable characters right Right? they're not yeah. actually I don't know yeah. I have read that they're often paired together because I think tactically they just work really well together in the game oh. but yes which I like I don't know maybe there's some parallel there that they're drawing but I don't know how overt any of it was before and I did read that apparently it was not canon or like obvious at all that even Vi and Jinx were sisters so like that was new a lot of what was in the show is very new and I think that's why it's so successful as well is that apparently the, the game game just does not have that much of a lore or a story and that this lore story was often like a void in the game itself and they've just created so much depth to it by by creating this show and I wonder if that's a model that other video games will use in future instead of creating their own 
you know, in-game lore, um, developing it in some separate medium. And I think that's a good point because I remember reading about that. Yeah, so apparently there were hints of it in League of Legends Wild Rift that there there may be a connection between Vi and Jinx. And Jinx makes some allusion to the fact that she has a sister. And apparently there's other hints of how, what was it, Vi will like tease Caitlyn, at least in the English version, of saying good job cupcake or something like that. And like there's a lot of those little little tidbits that I, I think maybe not originally when the Jinx character was created, but at least during the release of Wild Rift, I believe there was a beginning of a plotline connection. Yeah, um, you know, I creators. googled it. And it seems like Wild Rift came out in 2020, which is definitely when the show was already in production. So that again just shows like how much long-term thinking went into this project, how much of a labor of love it was, but also how much of a, a strategic marketing business choice it was because I'm sure it's driven a lot of revenue for the game and um, just attracted more people towards gaming in general. Something I forgot to mention was that the first three episodes I think were you were able to stream it live on Twitch which is like a popular gaming streaming platform and yeah it's just it kind of blows my mind like how much work went into this but also how much of it I wonder was like creatively inspired versus you know financially inspired because of the incentive to get it right you mean yeah yeah and that that exists with all projects which I was reading in an article so many articles oh it's it's an article on Cartoon Brew by Alex Dudo DeWitt which was about Studio Fortiche and they were saying how in so many other so many other people involved with how the story unfolds who are not artists and who don't trust the artist's vision because there's so much money on the line and how because of the way that Studio Fortiche is, there's a way for them to create this story, which was still central to their artistic vision and less watered down. Yeah, because uh, it does still have a lot of heart to it. And I mean, one of my fears was that this kind of new phenomenon, like a really big budget, um, you know, partner animation deal might go kind of the route of Marvel and superhero movies, which are, you know, like huge, big budget, multi-partnership brand deals that span tens of thousands of movies. <laughs> and to get the full picture, you have to watch every single one or to really be a participator in the expanded universe of it. You have to participate in many different ways. You go to the theme park, you play the games, you watch the movies, you watch the TV shows, you by the merchandise and whatever there's a lot of ways to participate so I wonder if this might be our first animation version of that because you do have already the this the very popular video game facet of it now you have the story side the animation side and it's getting a season two will we have more seasons or other entire shows dedicated to different characters because there's what over 150 or something playable characters from this series it's just very interesting I'm very very interested to see where this goes and maybe we'll be discussing it 10 years from now on this podcast and like season five and and like separate shows have, have already come out but I just do think it is a very serious shift that we may start to see in the industry okay well, first thought is that you're right about the whole Marvel and DC and as someone who I love X-Men and I love Spider-Man and I read the comics growing up and I some of the TV shows so that was already the beginning of cross marketing but it, it's very fatiguing I think like I don't really watch most of the movies although I did watch Into the Spider-Verse and I try if I, I don't watch I don't like to watch them as they come out in the theater basically 
partly because of what I talked about in the beginning. Okay, I just like to wait a, a little bit. <laughs> 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 they have their money. They don't. It's fine if I wait. Like whatever. <laughs> You're not um, a real fan. <laughs> that's well. That's the thing is that like it feels like there's so much to participate in now, and yeah, I get fatigued. And yeah. I mean, we'll see where this goes. This is so new. And there's, there is, does seem to be a lot of money in it. So very well could, you know, be blossoming. (laughs) Yeah. And then my second point is, or I guess it's a question is like, if there were to be a spinoff, do you have a character that you want to see? Ooh. Hmm. I don't think I know enough of the actual game characters to know, but I know I would love to see more from Victor and Mel for sure. And it does feel like they were teasing a a bigger storyline for Mel and her hometown whatever that may be I also do not like Jace at all and wish that he would disappear (laughs) so any version (laughs) of the show without him I would love but he is an important character I think so it'll probably stick around but yeah I, what, I definitely what am interested. you like about him I don't know you know what it's probably because I recognize a lot of myself and other humans in him which is probably why I don't like him <laughs> but I think I <laughs> I just found his idealism and his desire for progress his the inspiration that he has for it but also his weakness in a sense like his inability to see the serious ramifications of what he was doing up until the end and I think that's a common vice in a lot of humans we are all obviously very inspired to do things we are we want to achieve things we have big great dreams but we oftentimes and this is a great quote I think that Victor says he says we lost ourselves lost our dream in pursuit of great we failed to do good and I think that emblemizes Jace a lot in that he is a man of big dreams but he did lose sight of what was good and even ended up killing a child which was very much you know a symbol of how much he strayed from his original path and that's why I didn't like him and I think it genuinely is because he is one of the more realistic characters and I see that you know failure to achieve a good dream at the expense of others occur in a lot of just ourselves and our world today so that's, yeah that's a great point I hadn't thought about it that way but you're right it's like there's this there's an idealism and a naivete of exactly that's this idea way. that yeah. you could go into the system and participate in the system and not get lost in it in this in the systems of oppression and I mean some people do it I'm not saying it's like impossible but it's so easy to get lost into the whole prestige of it all like even just all the awards that he was getting it's like brilliance and all these things but he was losing a really central part which was the reason why started looking for Hextech in the beginning and that's why I think as a counter to Jace one is Victor but also Heimerdinger yeah Heimerdinger yeah I liked him as a character because he's kind of like that (laughs) that little magical creature that's just like you're going the wrong way (laughs) stop now turn back (laughs) stop it's too much (laughs) yeah yeah you're right I could see him as an opposite to Victor for sure I mean sorry to Jace for sure I mean that was pretty stark but also I do like Victor as an opposite to Jace too just in the way that Jace is so able-bodied and strong also and the way that Victor is clearly a disabled and ill person who comes from very meager beginnings and Jace coming from privilege and I think that shows like how Victor is more easily able to recognize their actions as slowly straying towards not good whereas Jace isn't and I do like the way that they work together but how but the way in which the show also portrays their their morals and their backgrounds starting to clash slowly over time. 
so is Jace like originally from Piltover, just not a higher house? Or you know, unclear. I think he, I think I remember something about his parents working in forges or something like that. I could be wrong. Oh, though. that's right. No, but no, he you're was right, you're right. a patron or like patronized by Caitlin's family, so very very well off family. So right. he, I would say he does kind of come from privilege, but just didn't maybe experience just enough struggle to cause those lofty goals that we see <laughs> drive him forward. Right. Like he, it seems like so central to his character is this experience that he has as a child and this other person who is able to somehow harness the arcane energy. Yeah. And so it's like that one memory of a child was so central to his development as a human, as a person. And yet he didn't have the context of everything else around that event as an adult to, to drive his, his ambitions. And that's the difference between him and Victor, because Victor, it was like a long-term experience for him, that, that similar type of experience. And it was a much harsher reality and nuanced, I think. Yeah, I think that is a good point. The fact that Hextech was inspired by an event in childhood I think it it portrays really well how childlike almost Jace's dreams and actions were like very single-minded yeah exactly very (laughs) single-minded and like even if you put into different words literally like kid find magic cool like make magic too (laughs) kind of thing like it's just very simple and whereas Victor you just have a more as you said nuanced long-term realistic real need that drives him to build it Jace is all about ambition but for Victor, he knows this is something that has a real impact for himself and potentially for everyone as well. Before we start to do the wrap up, I want to throw in the importance of Victor as a character with disability that's shown in the show. And I had just watched Dota, I think it's called Dota Dragon's Blood or something like that. And that's also a TV show based on a video game, Dota 2, I think. And they have a character that is mute. And there, I just watched the end of season two and I was very unhappy with the way that this character progresses but there are characters that are used as token pieces or just sacrificial pieces and so often the the disabled character or like a character with some kind of different ability is taken for granted or used in the way to progress another character's storyline and it and Victor does help Jace in many ways but he very much has his own fleshed out history and they do this in um, the Dragon Prince as well where they have a character who is deaf and uses sign language and also has her own lore and story backstory and I appreciate that in Victor as well yeah yeah that is very true there's so few yes there's representation in which disabled people suffer but there's also so many shows in which there's just no disabled representation and it's hard to say which is worse but this is a really great example of a show that actually has a real fleshed out character whose disability is not like such a disadvantage or or something that is all about their character right. but rather something that is just part of their character and something that is part of their motivations and makes them a more realistic person, which I think is just really important for, you know, obviously disabled viewers and just representation in general. Yeah, it's not, they're not an interesting character because of their disability, but their disability does inform the way that the character, Victor, progresses through his lifetime. And I think that's an important difference. 
Oh, okay, wait, okay, Catelyn and Caitlin and Vi. I I really like this because there were we're talking about their relationship, right? Not the two of them. I liked it as someone who misses so many cues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually quite obvious right. from a pretty early yeah. stage. Yes. I yes. appreciated that. I like agree. Very, yeah, yeah. It was there. I feel like mm-hmm. so in Cora when it first happened, I completely mm-hmm. missed it. Maybe that was my age also. But here I like I got it. And there was yeah, there was a lot of reason for it. And in in the one of the other therapist talks movies he talks about the progression of that relationship and mm-hmm. why the two of them work so well based on their attachment types and why their relationship seemed to progress the way that it did and how it's a much healthier relationship than mm. Vi has had and right you know, right it's one like, based off of partnership and equal worthiness equal interest in mutual goals and that's really important as as for a show that has a lot of toxic relationships it's nice to have that one that's that's just really mutually supportive and that and you're right that is pretty obviously queer and even I was also just like so excited just like that scene where I think I think Vi strokes her cheek and it was just so it's just sweet like small moment. motion yeah it's just a small gesture but it meant so much because you just so rarely see those types of interactions usually there's nothing or it's very like subtext oriented or you have like extremely like in your face sex scenes which are like kind of made or it feels like are made for a male gaze more than you know actual queer women and I think that's what's so important about this what this show does differently especially with the animation which we see more I think in live action as in like people actually acting shows versus animated shows is that there's a subtlety in the way that the characters are interacting with each other in a type of communication that's non-verbal that makes the show it gives another added layer to the show in the way that they communicate and because as people we're not just communicating based on what we say right we're also communicating based on how we like hold each other's hands or how we look at each other and all these other different Mm -hmm. layers that is difficult to to um, capture in an animated show at least a traditionally yeah 2d animated show which love 2d i'm still such a big fan (laughs) of it but this this type of cg animation is kind of starting to you know win favor gain favor and this is a really great reason why yeah it just does something i think it bring something different mm-hmm. which sometimes cg in the past i was just it's doing it's trying to be a substitute for 2d and because it's trying to be a substitute it doesn't feel like it's doing it for me yeah but this show doesn't try to do that yeah that's a really great point nice. so did you have any fun facts or easter eggs that you wanted to share mm-hmm. that you observed from this Yes, I so I missed it the first time. Uh, but I did there was one scene where Vi is her and they're in the undercity. And this is after well, I mean we're just talking about the relationship between Vi and, and Kat. And and Kat goes and gives her gun up for for medicine. And that's a really significant scene because she's essentially giving up her, her security in the undercity, which she's never been in before. It's huge, um, symbolically. And at some point Kat gives the medicine and Vi is waking up. It's very fast, but you can actually actually see there's a moment where Vi sees Kat leaning over to her and instead of seeing Kat she sees her mom in powder in the background and you see that her mom looks a lot like Caitlin I did not pick up on that that's beautiful yeah and there again there's when it comes to relationships and I know that that's true for myself too there's it's like the people we love we want little bits of them and other people that we end up loving like we're attracted to that part of them and that that little scene was a good representation of that yeah I love that thank you Thank yeah. you for sharing that. That just made me yeah. feel happy. <laughs> but again, this this um great Georgia Daw, Georgia Dow was helpful in that too. So it's not entirely me. <laughs> 
my I guess fact or weird tangent um, is a little bit different <laughs> so when I get <laughs> when I get really into shows like sometimes I like to go onto AO3 or fanfiction.net just to like see what people are into or like what they're writing about from these shows uh-huh. so I just did like a cursory kind of dwelling or diving into it but um, I was curious to see like what pairings or ships sort of existed in the show outside of the obvious ones like obviously Vi and Caitlin is like number one I'm I'm a huge fan or even Mel and Jace I I personally didn't care much for them but they were canon yeah because you don't like Jace but yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you love Mel yeah no my question is right as someone who isn't really into the Mm -hmm. whole fanfic but my question is is it shipping if it's almost it's like almost official within the the yeah I would say so like you can ship things that are already canon like that just means you're a strong advocate for I guess whatever is already obvious or satisfied like I ship I can say I ship Vi and Caitlin even though they're kind of already established and that just means I would support them and I want them to stay together Um, but a lot of times people will ship pairings that don't exist at all and even no possibility of existing as well so yeah I would say it goes both but yeah so I was interested in that like to see what the ships people have that are unlikely to exist or maybe more controversial or just maybe not touched upon in the show uh, one of them was actually one I thought was going to happen in the beginning and that was Jace and Victor which I actually thought was was oh yeah I totally thought it was going to be that way um but then he ended up going for Mel and then it's there's this interesting scene in which like basically Jace and Mel are, are starting to do the nasty and then that's the same it's interspersed with shots of Victor getting really sick and he starts that's when he like collapses and gets really ill so I thought the show was right. trying to say like they're basically like painting Mel as like a foil to Jason Victor's relationship and Victor's like illness almost directly results or happens at the same time as Jason Mel's commingling, I guess you could say. So there's almost like this contradiction built between, um, you know, Jace siding with Mel or choosing Mel and the repercussions that help has on Victor's body. So I, I legitimately thought they were going to go together. And then the fact of Jace choosing Mel is kind of a part of like rejection on Victor's part, which was interesting. Yeah, I don't know that it's mutually exclusive. That's interesting. I yeah. haven't even thought about that. But what, um, I guess because because we were talking about the little hints that they give with Kat and Vi. Yeah. What kind of hints did you see with Jason and Victor to like kind of make you think that this was I just thought that they they got along well I thought it was going to be more of an implicit thing they kind of had this like boyish like fondness for each other that grew out of their mutual interest in this hex tech and they were literally working on the same device that was basically like their child making them therefore like its de facto parents which then kind of builds like a relationship between them that is more than just partners, you know? <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Like a love that grows out of this yeah. science child. There's also, technology I child. Think, <laughs> yeah, I think there's also a scene where I think Jace was shirtless. He's like trying to get like his hammer out or something. I don't know. And Victor was around and that like made it more sensual. I could be making this up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, it's funny. <laughs> Maybe it's just queer coding. Like, yeah. It's just for Maybe that. Like, it could still happen as I said uh Mm -hmm. Mel's too good for Jace so but also Victor's too good too good for Jace too anyways whatever anyways (laughs) you're (laughs) in the boo Jace camp (laughs) I am strongly 
Um, the other pairings, which were interesting, was Echo and Jinx. A lot of people really liked how they um, like kind of fought together. They had just their similar age. I love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it could work. Obviously, they have to get over their hatred for each other first, and you know, work it out. But <laughs> but they had this kind of rivalry going on. Yeah. Yeah. A rivalry, yeah, yeah, yeah. A competition, and they, they were definitely adversaries. Like she was pro Shimmer and Silco, and he's anti. So maybe it's now that Silco is out of the picture, they can be together. Who knows? Uh, but that that was a very popular pairing. And then another interesting one was Silco Vander, which basically like saying that they were also like lovers before Vander betrayed uh, them, which then which I think arts. works. Right. I think it yeah. works because it makes that betrayal even more intense and, and sad and complicated. And it also makes kind of Silco's adoptive fatherhood of Jinx kind of replacing Vander more makes more sense. Yeah. And then finally the worst one. <laughs> And this is not very popular, thankfully, but it does generate some interesting discussion, which is Silco and Jinx. So a lot of people, including me, greatly feared that the show is portraying essentially what's called grooming, known as grooming. That's where like an older adult male like grooms a younger kind of daughter like girl and raises her in a like a fatherly way but to be essentially his like lover or his sexual partner in some way and there were definitely I can see why there were people who were seeing how this could happen because there were a few scenes in which you know the, the two get very close and like you know Jinx is like jumping all over on top of him and their faces get close together but there's never any I think clear insinuation that there's anything other than a parent parental relationship between the two but that was a genuine fear of mine and a lot of other fans was that they would make it kind of slowly go in that direction but uh, thankfully they didn't and I don't think they would have either it would have been I think a bit too just questionable and problematic but that is a pairing that people did put up there so yeah yeah and I I actually I like made a face because it is very (laughs) it's not a pairing that I mean if we talk about toxic right like it's not it's not a pairing that that is like socially acceptable but I but you're right as I was thinking about that and the scenes I had like because for me reflexively that's always what I fear and I do think yeah they I mean there's something to be said about the sexualization of Jinx as a character which we talked about how some of these characters are not so sexualized and and Jinx is like I think not necessarily you know the most sexualized compared to other shows but I guess like compared to the other characters I think there's still a sexualization in this young yes girl that happens which is why this idea of Silco grooming her to be so problematic and especially with the toxicity of what we can see in the rest of their relationship Mm, I think that a lot of it maybe comes from her inspiration from Harley Quinn. I do think Harley Quinn is of the same type or like maybe fetish. I don't know what you would call it, but this like sort of innocent, but also very like voluptuous or like sexual or mature in some way, but childlike at the same time. And also very like crazy or or like of a very like fragile mind, I would say is, is some kind of archetype that I feel a lot of maybe men have been taught to be interested in possibly because of Harley Quinn, but also because of Harley Quinn's relationship with the Joker, as you said earlier, like, you know, lovers and in a relationship, but also therapist and patient, but also kind of enemies and partners in other ways as well. You can see similarities between Jinx and Silco, perhaps. It's essentially a difference in power dynamic. 
Yeah, absolutely. Whereas like the healthier yeah. relationship, there's a more similar power dynamic, whereas an unhealthy relationship, one person will have a lot more power over the other. Yeah. And it can like flip, but right, right. it's unstable basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm very glad that the show kind of points that out. Like you can see how it's toxic. And in the end, when Jinx does have to make a choice, she does choose the healthier relationship, her sister who genuinely cares about her. So there is you know, a problematic element being displayed by the show, but there is also a solution and an answer and a conclusion that the show also provides, which I appreciate. It makes it less of a, let's immerse ourselves in this toxicity and like be in all of it and more of let's view this, understand why it's bad and learn from it, which is important because a lot of shows I do feel are kind of trauma porny or just love to like throw you into trauma or bad relationships, but don't teach you how to leave that like we need to also build strategies and skills for exiting these kinds of abusive relationships as well yeah and trauma bondings yeah is the thing that happens yeah yeah between people who can be in relationships for such a long time yeah but if that's at the center of the relationship it can be make things very difficult exactly yeah wow that was an intense discussion heavy stuff yes (laughs) yeah thank you for that journey I'm really glad you liked the show and that you were able to see a lot of the same depth in it as me and have this conversation with me yeah look so I mean we've already said in the show that neither of us really play League of Legends which and we're talking about this from the tv show perspective But if you watch League of Legends, definitely let us know if you have another take on the show. And I'd be curious to know because when they advertised, when the advertisements for the show started coming out in the publicity, they were saying how this was a show catered to fans of League of Legends. And it ended up being actually so much more encompassing to people who weren't familiar with the lore. And that's the perspective we talked about, which is why we would love to hear the perspectives of people who've actually watched the show. And... Who knows, you might be featured on our next episode. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on Cartoon Revolution. Episodes drop the first week of every month on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast platforms. Follow us on Instagram at cartoonrevolution.pod. That's cartoonrevolution.pod. Tell us what you're watching and share your hot takes with us music is from the musical ghost see you next time see you soon